not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. Did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Karen, our guest, film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, Brain Trust. It's Ben Glebe. I am back. This is Last Week on Earth. Thank you all for your patience while the world had to work itself out. It's been a wild time. We got to catch up on a lot of it. Um, I've been going through my own personal things. I think you're probably aware of that if you have been following me on social media. A lot of uh, struggles up in here. Most urgently, my girlfriend got her eyebrows laminated. Don't know why. Still don't know what it is or what it means. I do know I don't love it. My girlfriend's like, baby, I'm doing it for you. I'm going, first of all, I could do something for me I never asked you to do. I mean, if you, or I guess you could surprise them with something nice, but then when you come home and it looks like the eyebrows of a rodeo clown, if rodeo clowns were known for their eyebrows, I'm not sure that's even true. It's not for me. She has great eyebrows going into the game. As far as I know, subsequently we're looking back at pictures because also, generally speaking, men aren't even aware that you have eyebrows, ladies. We assume you have them on account of how nature works and a general knowledge of the human body, but we don't know for sure. But my God, did I know when she came home and she was like doing a dish in the kitchen sink and she turned around. She's like, baby, what do you think? And it was like, it was like, like a rodeo clown, baby. It was like blam, flample right up in this piece. It was like they, they were combed up like they were surprised. Eyebrows are supposed to show surprise. They themselves are not supposed to be surprised. I don't know if you're aware of that, but it was wild, dog. I mean, woo, you know, so I took some adjusting and it took my best acting skills, which aren't that great. I suddenly learned because she was like, what do you think? And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So this is your eyebrows now. I'm happy, happy for you and for both of us. Oh, you know, and then she went the next morning. She woke me up. She smartly didn't tell me until I was asleep and never want to wake up in the morning. She's like, baby, I'm going now I'm to, to do an errand. I'm like, cool, babe. She's like, you know what? I'm like, no, she's like, I'm getting lip filler. I'm like, mm, the fuck? She went and got lip filler. And uh, that one I have no problems with. That one's pretty cool. I didn't request it. I liked your lips before, but by golly, I'll take it. Last Week on Earth, as always, is brought to you by cucumbers. Spoiler alert, some of us become pickles. And of course, as always, we are brought to you by raisins. We're elderly grapes. We start, as always, with the most important story of the last week on Earth. Cardi B. People very upset at the card. Why? 
She tweeted she was thinking about spending $88,000 on a purse. Wanted her followers' thoughts about that. People all out of sorts about it. During a pandemic, you're going to spend nearly $100,000 on a purse? She got very upset. And of course, it's ridiculous to spend that kind of money on a purse. It's ridiculous to spend one-eightieth that money on a purse. But it's just a bag that holds stuff. I don't know if you're aware of what purses are. But... I believe you leave Cardi B alone because, first of all, she's donated $2 million to charity just this year. How much have you donated? Probably not $2 million if you have. you got a right to be in this conversation. But if she wants to spend her money in stupid ways while also helping people, that is definitely her right as an American citizen and as a free person in a capitalist society. But furthermore, you got to leave Cardi B alone because why are we holding any sort of expectations of the singer of wet-ass pussy? With all respect, she ain't the Queen of England. And even the Queen, I have no expectations of. And I'm not even sure if she's currently alive. She was seen driving recently, but that doesn't mean anything. She's probably just on her way to vote in our elections. Weaker penis bones in river otters linked to oil sands contaminants in obvious new study. I mean, who couldn't intuit that? But CBC Canada reported it anyway. A new study has found that hydrocarbon contaminants, typically associated with oil sands operations, are contributing, get this, to decreased penis bone strength among river otters. If this moving story doesn't convince you we need stronger environmental protections, anything else might. Because who cares about this? Nobody. Also, how do they know it's that environmental contaminant situation that's causing these weaker penis bones, have they considered that maybe female river otters have just gotten less hot? With the help of local trappers with far too much time on their hands, researchers analyzed river otter livers and their penis bones. And apparently British, apparently British, apparently my mind is breaking, apparently brittle penis bones could impair the species' ability to reproduce affecting other species up and down the food chain. Eventually, no one will be eating that dick. And in a related warning, while brittle penis is no good, more so I do not recommend trying penis brittle. Sure, it's tasty at first, but then you start worrying about if it's going to break your teeth. More hard-hitting stories like this at the end, when it's time for the Thunder Round. But first, Patreon shoutouts. Our Patreon is flying better than it ever has. We only launched it recently. And if you'd like a shout-out, too, you can subscribe more on that in a second. But shout-outs and special personal nicknames to Gabrielle Magazine Cover Mag, Rita Riri O'Donnell, Kayla, you've got me on my knees, Kayla Gibson, Michelle and Alex, they you, they me, they it together, they Jack. Or you could call them Michelle and Alex, they jack of fortune. I was torn between the two. Brian Slivka, or as I like to call him, Sliv Can Do Attitude, or Brian Funko Pop Slivka. Caitlin Greer, the Greer that saved Christmas. Special thank you to all of your support. If any of you would like to join, get your shout outs on the podcast and also get stuff like free tickets to my virtual shows at Nowhere Comedy Club. More on the upcoming shows later. Special Q&As I do for the Patreon Exclusive behind-the-scenes access to footage, what it's like behind this podcast, behind the shows, um, 
access to my VIP meet and greets after they happen live, personal one-on-one video chats, letters mailed for me to you, drawings for me to you, and most excitedly, the limited edition and first ever Glebe Squad official Brain Trust membership card. How dope is that? We're working on it. It's being printed very shortly. Patreon.com slash Ben Glebe to sign up for that. Apparently their search function's broken, so that's the way you got to do it. One pretty large story that happened uh, not in the last week, but since the last episode of this podcast that I think is worth mentioning, at least in passing, is, um, what was it? I can't remember now. Oh, yes, Biden won, baby. Biden won, a.k.a. Trump lost. This is a huge, wonderful, incredible moment in American history and in human history. Um, We needed this. We truly very much needed this. Part of why this podcast has gone was there was a fight to be fought to make sure this happened. And I didn't think through the podcast was the way to do it. And I'm so sorry I wasn't there to get you through that with my takes on the news. But I was trying to do things to help affect the outcome of the election. And also a few things to make money in my personal life. Because I, as you know, took off most of last year running for president of the United States to beat Biden. Which, by the way, I have not beaten him. I won't concede yet. I think there still might be some retallies, but it looks good for Biden, considering he already won the Electoral College by an enormous margin, which will be certified soon, and more on that in moments. But um, I dedicated so much of my life, and all of you that supported me dedicated so much of what you do and your time and money to helping out that cause and amplifying it. And um, I did it with one reason, not because I wanted or needed to be president, but because I wanted and needed at all costs to stop Trump. And as you guys well know, I was just afraid that we weren't taking strategy into account enough to beat this orange monster. And we needed to find a way to consider all options and to beat him at his own game. And I was afraid that nobody would beat him well in a debate and I could take him down in a debate. Well, I'd love to report to you that I ended up having some, getting some direct contacts and communications with the Biden campaign. And I was able to help advise them to hopefully advise him on how to debate Trump better. And I thought he crushed it in those two debates, minus the one that Trump missed on account of having coronavirus that he said was a hoax and not a real thing that would disappear miraculously. Remember that? But I thought Biden killed him. And I think I helped give some strategy to help make that happen. I also communicated a very important tweet that I thought there was something he needed to hop on. And then within 15 or 20 minutes, the tweet came out. Who knows if I actually did that or not, but I'd like to say that I did. Um, I've also been pretty busy to fill you in very briefly with a, an event I was asked to perform on that I, and then instead, instead of that also helped produce and spent a huge amount of time working to help flip Wisconsin blue. It was a live stream comedy event produced by nowhere comedy that we did in conjunction with the Wisconsin democratic party. To, it was called Laughing All the Way to the White House, and with my friend Pantera Sarah, we booked one of the best all-star lineups of comedy I've ever been part of. Mike Birbiglia, Sarah Cooper, Sarah Silverman, Bassem Youssef. Um, I was on there. Bradley Whitford hosted it. I co-hosted it with him. Whitney Cummings. Um, an incredible lineup of people. There was about 25 comedians. Seth MacFarlane, Harry Shearer. You can see the lineup on my Instagram, or wherever your socials are sold to the highest bidder, usually the Russians. Um, it was an incredible event, and we 
raised $540,000 for the Wisconsin Democratic Party and in hopes we could flip that state. And it was flipped by only 22,000 votes. I just got a text from the head of the Wisconsin Democratic Party yesterday saying, thank you so much for helping us put that event on because we barely squeaked by and everything made a huge difference. So in some way, whatever small way, because $540,000, you certainly could think could could flip 22,000 votes or get 22,000 people to vote that weren't planning on it with advertising dollars and voter outreach. And in the end, maybe I did end up helping stop Trump, which was my only goal and was all of our only goals. So it's the most exciting bit of news we could have received. I'm so happy about it. And what's done is done, right? The course of history has been forever altered. Of course, Trump is actually attempting a coup as we speak. No biggie, whatever. Luckily, they're so inept, we don't even have to pay much attention to their coups. They're literally the dumbest group of people in the world. As a quick recap, they've already lost over 40 lawsuits, making up complete garbage pulled, I think quite literally, out of their asses about election fraud that does not exist. Thrown out laughably out of every court. More on that in one moment, but the last thing I was busy doing also during this time off from the podcast was the Telethon for America 2020. We've been trying for many months to get it going, almost lost all hope, and literally seven days before the Telethon, eight days before the election, we finally got funding, got our green light, I was taking it out with executive producing with me, Rosario Dawson and Alyssa Milano, who kindly agreed to help produce it along with Barry Katz and the Jay and Tony show, this great production company. And we got the green light, partnered with Represent Us, my favorite anti-corruption organization, the one I got arrested with and alongside in Washington, D.C., along with Ronaldo Pearson on the steps of the Capitol building in D.C. during my campaign. And... They came on board with funding. We were underfunded completely, even compared to the tiny amount of funding we had in 2018, but enough to get it going virtually. And in the course of one incredibly sleepless, dangerous to my health and others, we pulled it off. I hosted it with Rosario Dawson. I hope you guys watched. If not, you can see it on the Telethon page or on my socials. We're going to be releasing a cleaned up version of it soon. Um because there were a couple technical errors we wanted to smooth out, but ended up with 60 or 70 celebrities, people like Alicia Keys, Eva Longoria, Kerry Washington, Sarah Silverman, uh, Joshua Jackson, Monica Lewinsky, Doug Stanhope, Nikki Glaser, Adam Ray, podcast favorites, Ben Morrison announcing it again like he did in 2018. Um, just incredible people involved in the show. And... It came out great. I was so proud of it. A lot of people I'm forgetting. Again, on my socials, you can see it all. But that was to help educate voters and let them know really what's on the ballot and how important the things on the ballot are and were. And the importance of voting and how not to get turned away at the polls and how to make sure that your vote does not get suppressed. And we had the express stated goal of helping create the most historic voter turnout in American history, the number one highest turnout of voters for a presidential election. And it happened. So we're two for two on those goals and helping assist that reality. 
So I was very tired and very focused and very hardworking and all that stuff. But I'm back, baby. Don't worry. We back together. Will Paula Dean be making more appearances on the podcast? Probably not. Mm, I don't know if that's true, baby. Hey, hey, everybody. I know I've been gone for like a year or two. I've been trying to give diabetes to everybody with super unhealthy lard-filled pies. It's great to see you again, Paula. It's been too long. Cleansing sip of water to shift my mind off of that intensity. So the coup's happening. And a Georgia election official got very angry about it this week. Arrgh. He was not a pirate, but he made pirate sounds. The Georgia elections official who forcefully spoke out against what the Trump administration has been doing to delegitimize the election results, especially in Georgia, has been making the press rounds because he went viral for saying enough is enough. That death threats have come from this behavior from Trump and his administration. It's causing elections officials to fear for their lives, and it, quote, has to stop. Enough is enough. What great words, inspiring words. Then he just went on Meet the Press on Sunday, and he's a Republican, and said he still does not regret voting for Trump. I'm sorry, Defog, and what? And I'm sorry, who? And why? And what? What again? And that Republicans are still better than Democrats on these issues. And he wishes that it was 13,000 votes the other way instead of in favor of Biden, So his life would be easier. Mind fucking blown. So this week's hero is still an obvious idiot. Who is surprised? This is the year 2020 in the de-evolution of our brains and of our minds. I mean, would you die for Trump? (laughs) Yahoo News reports. The Arizona Republican Party asked its Twitter followers that question this week. If they'd be willing to die to overturn President Trump's election loss, the will of the people. They'd be willing to die to overturn the will of the people. This came about because on Monday, an activist associated with the Stop the Steal movement, which is only slightly more popular than the Stop the Seal movement, which I compare you to a kiss from a rose on a grave. The more I think of you, the stranger it feels bad. That movement, Stop the Steal, Not Seal, promotes baseless arguments, of course, that the Democrats stole the election. This person tweeted, I am willing to give my life for this fight. In response, the official account for the Arizona branch of the GOP tweeted the sentiment, adding, he is, are you? Are you willing to give your life to overturn the election so Trump wins? I just have one thing to say to all those people. Please do. I mean, I know this is my forum, so I can say anything, but can I say something? I can. Thank you. I will not concede reality to idiots any longer. We as a society have got to stop listening to idiots. Because if you take seriously what idiots have to say, even a little bit, I hate to break it to you, you too are an idiot. Probably an even bigger one. Because you don't even know you're an idiot which is much more dangerous. Trust me, I'm an expert on idiots. I host Idiot Test, a brain-testing game show made specifically for me to watch people say and do stupid things and then explain to them how exactly their brain doesn't work properly. And by explain, I, of course, mean make fun of them. In fact, I'm so good at that 
that we haven't made new episodes in years, yet people keep watching over and over again. So it is still on TV and on Netflix currently. Check it out if you haven't. It was recently trending on there. Because people love watching me make people finally realize their level of stupidity. I actually get more messages about the show now than I did when we first made the new episodes. Because there seems to be, for some reason, I can't quite place why, an ever more urgent need to put idiots in their place. And that, my friends, is what I do best. We as a nation have let stupid people have far too big a say for far too long. It's totally fine for you to be stupid. We'll take care of you so you don't go bumping into walls all the time. But we need to stop listening to you people. No one would do that in their personal lives. I think our decision is pretty sound, Jim, but let's ask that moron over there. I wonder what he thinks. You would never do that. But for some reason, we let morons decide what we're going to focus on as a nation? We revere idiots so much, we elected one as our leader. Super dumb guy. Zero social skills. Untethered to reality. Can't talk for 10 seconds without five lies. This guy is so dumb, he doesn't even understand you're not supposed to want to have sex with your daughter. And he's even dumber than that. He doesn't even realize that even though he wants that for some horrible reason, that that's probably something he shouldn't say on television. The only thing he's not an idiot with is talking to other idiots. You got to hand him that. He's genius at talking to idiots. Really first class. He realized just two things that explain his success. One, he's just a touch smarter than the average idiot. So to even bigger idiots, he seems like a genius. And two, idiots will believe literally anything. As we have seen, literally everything. Here is a way shortened down list of things that the vast majority of his mindless minions believe. Number one, let's start with Tom Hanks is a pedophile. These people believe the nicest man in the world is a pedophile. I wanted to set the barometer for the intelligence level we're dealing with here. Side note, doesn't the word pedophile make fucking kids sound a lot less horrible than it is? Like too fancy a word sounds like audiophile or francophile. He's just a pedophile. He just has a real appreciation for children. But back to idiots for a moment. Number two thing they believe, the world's most sophisticated election heist in history was somehow perpetrated by hundreds of once-every-two-year ballot counters in counties all around the country to coordinatedly throw out Trump ballots and assign extra Biden votes to dead people and count them multiple times. This multi-pronged, multi-layered approach, all while no one else who was there noticed. All with zero actual evidence of this grand plot, except for, look at that grainy video, that guy in the corner that we can't see in that security footage. That that could be a thing. And, of course, only in counties where Trump lost did this happen. Zero anti-Trump fraud anywhere else. Even though they couldn't possibly know in advance which counties that would be, but they only found evidence of it in the exact counties and states where Trump lost. Idiots is too soft a word for people who believe that. Utter fools is a little bit more fitting. People in comas have better awareness of their surroundings. They don't even see a clue to how much bullshit this is in the fact that he told us in advance he was going to claim this. 
again, not realizing that's probably something you shouldn't say on television. And their star witness, as you may have seen this last week on Earth, is a person who is clearly making up fraud numbers before our very eyes and is quite possibly drunk. 30,000. I'd say it was easily uh, 100,000. That's a number, right? That's how a person who they believe speaks. Oh, and did you see this clip? Did you see this clip? Where she then said, the guy's like, 30,000 doesn't even match to the ballot books at all, what you're saying. And she goes, what, are you doing some crazy things to it? Uh, Amazing sleuth work, Perry Mason. Ma'am, just to clarify, crazy things, is that the official accusation? Are we doing crazy things to it? But here's the problem. I follow some of these dum-dums online. I guess so I could do rants like this. And they saw the same clips of that same person and literally called her an American hero and said she owned the panel. Owned. These people couldn't own a VCR if it was left outside with a sign that said free on it. All they'd have to do is bring it inside. Three. Okay, more things these idiots who we are letting set the national discourse believe. Number three, climate change is a hoax. The most obvious physical evidence of all is not even convincing to them. 98% of scientists agree. They instead believe the guy who said, I don't think the science knows. Okay, I don't think it knows. I don't think the science knows. Like it's a guy you're about to wrestle against in WWE. I don't think the science knows. I'm going to take down the science, okay? It's science. It's not a dude. It's the word we have in life for empirical evidence-based facts. Every possible piece of evidence that they think is bullshit. More frequent and more intense hurricanes and tornadoes. Hottest year on record, year after year. Charts going like this. That's the up sound. Ice caps melting, rising sea levels, even skinny ass polar bears walking around posing for cameras going, look at me, idiot. This is not how bears are supposed to look. Number four, they think practically all mass shootings are fake, staged by crisis actors, somehow pulling a fast one on the gun industry by getting still nearly no legislation passed while disappearing all these victims for life to a crisis actor island somewhere. And having their families walk around all sad forever, method acting to a level that would make De Niro go, give it a rest already, okay? Number five, they believe our FBI, CIA, NSA, Department of Homeland Security, in fact, all 13 of our intelligence agencies combined have America's best interest at heart less than Russia, our literal enemy. That's what these people believe now. Like, Russia is so stereotypically our enemy. They've been our enemy in every movie since forever. Even cartoons get it. Rocky and Bullwinkle knew. Uh, Don't trust those two Russians, Rocky. Their orange idiot president says he trusts Putin over our own intelligence. And so his Tangellos wear shirts that say, I'd rather be a Russian than a Democrat. They're so stupid, they don't even understand the definition of patriotism. 
It means love of our country, not our enemies' countries. Number six, they think the flag of the side in the Civil War that didn't want to be America anymore is patriotic. The side that fought to form a new country because America, which is this country, wouldn't let them keep slavery going. But they think the right to protest, which is the whole point of the freedom the American flag stands for, is somehow un-American. Except when they want to protest, of course. About important things like the secret cabal of pedophile election workers and celebrities who implemented a hundreds of counties plot to let their dead uncle vote. In many cases, the uncle that was doing to them what they think Tom Hanks is doing for some reason. All a sophisticated election stealing plot brilliantly predicted in advance by the man who thinks he's a genius because he can remember the words person, woman, man, camera, TV, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, it's a very difficult list. The last two of which, camera and TV, are the only two things he cares about. Plus, he's a garbage person who's always mistreating women, and man is the thing he is. Barely. So all I'm saying is it's a very easy list for him to remember. And they don't even pick up on the fact that they're being played when he has them at one ballot counting center chanting, stop the count, and at another chanting, keep counting. Those are opposites, you dumb fucks. Who knew the end of democracy as we know it could be so ironically hilarious? But of course, they don't pick up on even that obvious clue that they're being played because they're idiots. And that's what idiots' most defining feature is. They aren't good at understanding stuff. Evidenced by number seven, society has been almost totally shut down for almost a year while we now have a 9-11 amount of Americans dying every single day, and other countries don't, yet they still won't wear a mask, something that has been worn since the beginning of any basic knowledge of airborne viruses started hundreds of years ago, because their tangerine mad king keeps flip-flopping on it as he riffs cures on TV, including injecting bleach, a.k.a. actual poison, into our bodies, And even as he got the virus himself and had to spend days in the hospital, and even as everyone around him gets it, and one by one are going to the hospital as well, and some of his buddies even died from it. Herman Cain, Mr. 999, is now 666 feet underground. And if that weren't enough glaring evidence, he was even on an audio recording telling the most famous reporter in the world when it comes to taking down presidents, Bob Woodward, of Woodward and Bernstein take down Nixon fame that he knew how deadly it is and intentionally didn't tell people the biggest smoking gun you could ever have. Again, Trump not realizing he shouldn't say that out loud to a reporter. He admitted that he let us die by lying about this deadly virus so people wouldn't blame him for a thing he still has made no real attempt to control. And his idiots are all like, I still don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's fine to lie about stuff which leads to us dying. Because of Hunter Biden and, and Tom Hanks and stuff. Look, obviously that's more than enough to prove how stupid these people are. But for good measure, let me just throw in a few gems from right before COVID hit, just to remind you. They and their orange tan orangutan believe windmills cause cancer. 
and you can alter weather maps with the Sharpie and they're still accurate. That water usage is up because people flush the toilet 10 to 15 times, which I would only do if Trump were in it. And then he built part of his imaginary border wall in Colorado, even though Colorado doesn't border Mexico. But this is my point. People who believe any one of these things, let alone all of them, are so stupid, you should feel sorry for them for sure. You should even politely nod when they say things and then talk about them when they leave. But you should definitely not be letting them dictate what we as a nation focus on. Instead of having adult conversations and tackling the vast problems we are all facing, we have to now defend a perfectly legit election to a bunch of quarter wits being led by a monster and his lead dumb, dumb henchman, Rudy Giuliani, as he leaks coronavirus down the sides of his face. Fresh from being punked by Borat while trying to fuck an underage girl posing as a reporter, again, a profession generally known for having cameras and recorders on them at all times. Once we start completely ignoring these idiots and their golf addict, fluffy haired former leader, things will finally be able to improve and we as a civilization will be able to progress. They can stay at the kiddie table throwing food at each other, wiping their messy faces with Confederate flag napkins. We can just put them down and relax with some cocktails for the grown-ups for the rest of the evening. But what do I know? I'm just correct. Hunter Biden's taxes probed by Delaware's attorney's office, Yahoo News reports. The Justice Department's investigation scrutinizing Hunter Biden, Joe's son, taxes has been examining some of his Chinese business dealings, among other financial transactions. The Associated Press reported on Wednesday, the revelation puts a renewed spotlight on questions about his financial dealings that dogged his father's successful White House campaign. He was the focus of Republicans' complaints during the campaign for business dealings with Ukraine and China. We all know that. It's largely how Trump got out of being impeached by these spineless Republicans in Congress. But Hunter Biden hasn't been charged, and two Republican-led congressional committees in September found no wrongdoing at all. But even if it's all true, I don't care. Even if he eats kittens for breakfast, I don't care. Because he's not the president or the president-elect. So obviously doing bad stuff is bad, but that's not our focus because the president himself has been committing millions of crimes. Well, let's give him some respect, thousands. And so now the president won't be committing crimes. I don't really care what his son is up to. The bar has been set so low for what president's sons do. I don't think I'm going to care at all. I don't care if the guy goes on some kind of a crime spree. The president's son shouldn't be on any thinking person's radar. Do you have any clue what Trump's kids, Mookie and Son Jr., have done the last four years? You don't, because no one has had the bandwidth. No one has had the bandwidth at all to even consider what the sons have been up to with me, 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 look at my crimes, Orange Daddy Sr. stealing all the crime spotlight. You don't think... Mook and Sun Jr. have been killing hookers and shit. I don't have any evidence of this, but you got to assume. Also, evidence doesn't matter anymore, apparently. Lawyers groups want sanctions for Trump attorneys. Yahoo reports. When lawsuits began flooding state and federal courts after Election Day, bogus Trump legal team lawsuits for his reelection campaign and his supporters said that as a candidate, he was merely exercising his right to explore every legal remedy at his disposal. 
well, like we said earlier, more than four weeks and 40 losses later. Oh, shit. 40 losses. You're 40 and oh, homie. Observers in the legal community are now aghast at how the campaign is using the judicial system to push baseless allegations of systemic voter fraud. And they want the lawyers leading the effort to be held accountable. Ah, thanks. Thanks so much for speaking up now. How are you going to stop it? A strongly worded letter, maybe? I would like my right to practice law to mean something, said Lawrence Tribe, a Harvard University law professor and leading constitutional scholar. And if you can just use your law license to fling bullshit around, he said, ooh, getting saucy. If you can use your law license to take up the time of the court, consume their resources and undermine their credibility of the entire legal profession on which the rule of law largely depends in this country, then that's a terrible thing. Kind of a soft end to that sentence, but what is he going to do to stop it? Well, tribe and more than 1,000 current and former attorneys, retired judges and justices, law professors, former Bar Association presidents, and concerned citizens have signed an open letter. It's actually a fucking letter? Just a strongly worded letter? Their letter calls on Bar Associations to disavow the Trump campaign attorney's conduct. Not them, just their conduct. And on disciplinary authorities to investigate. Search and investigate. They're bogus lawsuits. They're presenting evidence in court that is softer than what they're saying at these hearings to Republican elections boards and local state Republican boards because they're trying to create disinformation they're afraid to say in court because you can be held responsible for that. Oh, interesting. The advocacy group Lawyers Defending American Democracy announced this week that they're trying to make that happen through their strongly worded letter. What's great, at least, is every time a thousand lawyers sign one of these things, everything changes. I'm kidding. No one cares. They're ignored, and the bullshit continues. Quote, a license to practice law is not a license to lie to the public on behalf of a client. Whether doing so endangers one individual, the entire body politic, the letter says. Quote, American Bar Association model rules of professional conduct 41A and 84C put lawyers at risk of sanctions for engaging in dishonesty, deceit, and misrepresentation in or out of court. Wow, they're citing shit. The group calls out Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, his campaign senior legal advisor, Jenna Ellis, and lawyers Victoria Tonesing, Sidney Powell, and Joseph DiGenova, a man who sounds also like some kind of a salami meat. I'd like some DiGenova on the sandwich, please. Sliced thinly. DiGenova is not only delicious, but a former U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia. And he said during a broadcast interview that Christopher Krebs, the administration's election security director who was fired by Trump for denying that the November 3 election was tainted by fraud, should be taken out at dawn and shot. This person is not instantly disbarred for that? The lawyers group says the attorneys engaged in a three-phase strategy that is motivated more by politics than justice. Yeah, like I just said, first issuing false statements about widespread fraud that receive widespread attention, then bringing less extreme allegations to court where there are legal consequences for making false allegations, which is why they aren't because they know it's full of shit. But the idiots we talked about earlier don't see the inside of the courtroom and don't really catch that nuance in the news stories. They still believe and repeat the disinformation bullshit. Judges quickly been dismissing those cases, or the lawyers themselves have even been withdrawing them. And third, floating more larger conspiracy claims in public. The result, of course, is the sowing of disinformation, confusion, and mistrust in the public about the outcome of the election. 
That has been the exact strategy of the Trump campaign. It's obvious to anybody with a brain, but these quarter wits aren't going to get it because they're willfully ignorant or helplessly ignorant. Either way, let's ignore those buffoons and move on to our next story. Net worth of U.S. billionaires soared by $1 trillion since the pandemic began, the Americans for Tax Fairness reports. Americans for Tax Fairness, or ATF, we don't just stand for alcohol, tobacco, and firearms anymore. The collective wealth of America's 651 billionaires has jumped by over a trillion dollars since the beginning of COVID-19 to a total of $4 trillion at market close on Monday. Their wealth growth since March is more than the $908 billion in pandemic relief proposed by a bipartisan group of members of Congress, which is likely to be the package that moves forward for a vote in the next week, but has stalled over Republican concerns that it's too costly. Why don't you ask your billionaire friends to cover the bill then? The total net worth of the nation's 651 billionaires rose by $2.95 trillion on March 18th. The rough start of the pandemic shutdowns to $4.01 trillion on December 7th, a leap of 36% based on Forbes billionaires. The $1 trillion wealth gained by 651 U.S. billionaires since mid-March is more than it would cost to send a stimulus check of $3,000 to every one of the roughly 330 million people in America. A family of four could receive over $12,000. Again, Republicans have blocked new stimulus checks from being included in the pandemic relief package. Too expensive, but they're dictating our policy and passing our laws to please these billionaires who won't even share a little bit of that wealth. It could have paid for double the two-year estimated budget gap of all state and local governments, all of them in the country, which is forecast to be at least $500 billion. By June, state and local governments had already laid off 1.5 million workers and public services, especially education, face steep budget cuts. Only slightly less than this total amount this total amount is only slightly less than the total federal spending on Medicare, $644 billion only in 2019, and Medicaid, $389 billion in fiscal year 2019, which together serve 120 million Americans. $69 million in Medicaid, $63 million in Medicare. Nearly four times the $267 billion total in stimulus payments made to 159 million people earlier this year they could have paid for with the increase in billionaire wealth in this country. At $4 trillion, the total wealth of these U.S. billionaires is nearly double the $2.1 trillion in total wealth held by the bottom half of the population, or 165 million Americans. I don't want to go all Bernie Sanders on you here, and I quote, because I will, never before has America seen such an accumulation of wealth in so few hands. And that quote's not even from Bernie Sanders, it's from Frank Clemente, the executive director of Americans for Tax Fairness, but I don't do his voice. The billionaires responded to this fact by going, wow, yes. Lithuanian anti-LGBTQ lawmaker caught with naked man during online parliamentary session, News18.com reports. A vocally anti-LGBTQIA lawmaker in Lithuania was caught on tape with a naked man in yet another Zoom call mishap. Jeffrey Tubin, anybody? Hey, Jeff, 
Here's a tip. Don't jerk off during your meetings. And if you're gonna, don't have your camera on. He's suffering from Trump disease. Don't do bad stuff. But if you're going to do bad stuff, definitely don't do it on camera. It's a double whammy of moronicness and moronic hood. Whew. MP and eminent politician Petrus Grazulis was caught on tape at home with a man while attending an online parliamentary meeting. Apparently, the MP had accidentally turned on the camera while attending the meeting, giving others a brief glimpse into his home. In the video, which has gone viral online, the man who can be seen wearing no shirt appears behind the MP's shoulder. Especially embarrassing for Grazulis, who has often shown explicit disapproval, of course he has, of non-traditional forms of union and LGBTQ rights. In 2012, he said that all gay people should leave Lithuania and get in his pants, apparently. As the incident caused outrage online, Grazulis first tried to claim the man in the video was his son. Dude, fucking your son is not better. He soon changed his story, however, claiming the man in the video was a journalist named Andreas Tapinas. Talk about giving him the inside story, am I wrong? He alleged that Tapinas had been persecuting him for some time and that it was actually him in the video, explaining bizarrely that he thinks the guy had been haunting him and somehow edited himself into the live stream to embarrass the politician. Firstly, boo, you can't edit yourself into a live stream. Secondly, if you're going to pretend he was a reporter infiltrating your gay sex scene, don't have his name literally be Tappan Ass. The dude's name is Tappan Ass. You can't write that. I mean, you could, but you'd be like a court reporter because it's accurate. Also, according to reports, the man in the video has no resemblance to tapping ass whatsoever. Different nipples, apparently. In I See That Story and Raise You 24 Dudes News, anti-gay Hungarian politician Joseph Seizer, Joseph Seizer, Joseph Seizer, anti-gay Hungarian politician Joseph Seizer resigns after being caught attending 25-man orgy in breach of COVID-19 rules, I'll say. News Hub reported this. New Zealand, it took place. News Hub New Zealand, I'm sorry, reported this. It didn't take place there. It took place in Hungary. He's an anti-gay. He's hungry for a dick, apparently. <laughs> an anti-gay member of the European Parliament has resigned from his position after he was caught fleeing from what was described as a 25-man orgy in Brussels. Why fleeing? He didn't want to cuddle after Joseph Scheiser, an MEP or member of European Parliament from Hungary's ruling party, quit on Sunday after he was caught breaching Belgium's strict lockdown rules to attend the gathering. Gathering is kind of a soft word for it, don't you think? Also, if you're trying to be discreet about being gay when you're ruling against gay people, maybe keep the number you're fucking at once under 25. Police found the 25 naked men at the gathering, including Scheiser. And two diplomats from the EU. They looked in and said, "You, a lot of dudes. Local media and anyone with eyes described the gathering as an orgy. The number in attendance breached the country's COVID-19 restrictions, which banned gatherings of more than four people. But in their defense, is it still more than four people if everyone is inside each other? Seems like that would make it one person. I'm no math scientist. The politician was caught climbing out a first-floor window and spotted fleeing along the gutter. Never a chill look. 
Nothing says there's nothing weird going on here than jumping out a window into a gutter. When asked why he jumped out the window, he replied, well, duh, that was the only way to get into the gutter. Shazer, a long-serving member of Prime Minister Viktor Orban's party, helped draft the country's anti-gay constitution. You know you got a bad constitution when the document itself can be described as anti-gay. I thought parchment was more tolerant than that. And in Nothing Surprises Me Anymore news, NYPD anti-harassment officer accused of prejudiced, sexist comments online. Both. Prejudice and sexist online comments, ABC7 New York reports. The head of the New York Police Department's Workplace Discrimination Office has been relieved of his command amid an investigation into allegations he made prejudice, sexist, and intolerant comments in an online chat room where officers air grievances anonymously. How about just air them into your pillow? Obviously don't have them. But again, these people have the need to broadcast their intolerant beliefs. If you're going to be an intolerant asshole... First, don't be. If you can't do that, then shut the fuck up about it. Deputy Inspector James Coble, going to blast his name out to the world, assigned to the Equal Employment Opportunity Division. He worked in the Equal Employment Division, has been placed on modified assignment, not even outright fired, pending the outcome of the internal investigation. The chat room has been described as a vitriolic public online message board known as Law Enforcement Rant. Kobel's accused of pending attacks on black and Jewish people, women, members of the LGBT community, and others for more than a year, using the pseudonym Clouseau, a reference, of course, to the bumbling detective in the Pink Panther films. Fitting you aspire to be a bumbling detective, and you do have to hand it to him, at least. He discriminates on all groups equally. That's nice. Except his own group, of course, which makes him an incredibly large asshole which you'd think would be able to fit all groups in it. So that could be a way to bring people together, but I guess not. Maybe he's probably on his way also to a 25-man orgy, in which case they might attempt it. Coble could be fired after an internal investigation finished, Shea said. Police say Coble is cooperating with the investigation, but given the nature of the allegations, the decision was made to remove him temporarily while the investigation proceeds. Wow, what strong action. He's racist against the exact people he's put in charge of taken care of. Let's just see what's up. Maybe talk to him. Encourage him to post less on hatred-filled, racist, misogynistic message boards. See if that maybe changes his ways a little. Negative reviews for scented candles rise along with COVID-19 cases at Weird News Reports. It seems the negative reviews of Amazon's three best-selling scented candles have increased along with COVID-19 cases. This correlation could, of course, be associated with the fact that the virus causes a loss of smell. That's a theory floating around there. It's not what I believe. They figure this out, they think, because the unscented candle reviews seem unaffected during COVID-19. Well, here's the thing. I lost my sense of smell during COVID-19. It came back due to the incredibly strong smell of my dog's glands. Maybe that was TMI, and I'm sorry for doing that. But what's happening is not that people aren't smelling the scented candles. It's because they're home all the time and their girlfriends keep putting scented candles everywhere and dudes don't want their house to smell like a Bed Bath & Beyond or a Sephora or other places that smell very fruity. How do we explain this to you any better, ladies? I know you want the smell of vanilla and fruit and lavender everywhere. We don't want that. 
Men don't want their places to smell good. We just want our places to smell not bad. We want neutral smell. And granting you, we fail at that a lot. But just get neutral smelling things. Neutralizers. That sounds good. I don't want to smell like pomegranate when I go pee-pee. I don't want it to smell like basil and hay butter, whatever the fuck that is. I don't even think it's a thing, but it probably is going to be soon when trying to take a nap. I just want a neutral smelling nap. I don't want to picture them swimming with daisies, all right? And on that note, I definitely believe it is time for Twitter answers. Before we get to today's Twitter answers question, a few things I must mention. My Christmas special that nobody wants or cares about that I release every year. Improvised musical 12-minute Christmas special will be released shortly on my social. Stay tuned at Ben Glebe. I have picked back up my short-lived series that will now be posted five to seven days a week, Minute with Glebe. Every day there's a vlog basically on my Instagram where I give you my take on some different thing. Lots of fun topics covered there. Check that out. Uh, We shot a documentary during the campaign. A documentary crew followed me around for a good chunk of the campaign when I ran for president of the United States. And we edited together, they edited together rather, a 30 minute, I think it's roughly 30 minutes version of it. And um, when COVID hit, we were trying to shop it around on the last throws of our campaign to try to get people interested to kind of spread the word further about what we were doing because we were getting so stonewalled with the media. And we actually had a company interested and then the campaign ended and we didn't get it done in time. And we thought maybe it'd be interesting post-mortem. And then COVID happened and everybody got focused on that in Tiger King. And so that went away. So I'm just going to release it so y'all can get a very inside as inside as you could get glimpse into what went down. So look for that in the next week or two on my socials will be released on my YouTube. Most likely, of course, I'm still hosting SDSC, the social distancing social club four days a week with Steve Hofstetter, Chris Bowers and Rachel queen, Rachel Gallagher every Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific and every Saturday at noon Pacific. It's incredibly fun. We don't touch on politics. We just laugh and play games. You can come be with us on camera in the video front row. You can get tickets for just 10 bucks to that at sdscshow.com or just watch it live on all my socials and play along with the game that way or on Hofstetter's YouTube or whatever. But for those who are asking when my next digital shows are where you can see me doing what I do best, doing my stand-up, doing my crowd work, doing my improv. Well, this Sunday, I'm doing my brand new game show I created at Nowhere called You're the Game Show, where if you get a ticket, you're a contestant on the game show with me as host. The winner gets crowned the smartest person on the internet, and you also win cash. And the winner of each of the first three rounds also wins a gift card to your choice of Amazon or Etsy or Nowhere Comedy Club. And even if you don't know shit and you ain't good at trivia at all, you can still play and have fun. And we do a wheel spin for people who don't know things. That's this Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific tickets at NowhereComedyClub.com. Then Saturday, December 19th and Saturday, December 26th are my next two Glebe Off the Top crowd work and improvised madness shows. These are my favorite in the world. I've been doing them semi-weekly for the last several months. It's, if you haven't seen one yet, you have to. If you enjoy what I do, if you enjoy my comedy, it's the number one thing to go see. I have great special guests open for me like Dan Mintz, who is the voice of Tina from Bob's Burgers, or Nikki Glaser, or Jamie Kennedy just opened doing stand-up and then joined me for the improv. But I do crowd work 
and I smoke a little weed, and then shit goes bonkers bananas. I mean, let's just say the crowd is welcomed with our phrase, extravaganzasm prepared. And that's a weird beginning, and it gets much weirder from there. It's a blast. I use face filters and turn into a panoply of characters, and I think that's a word even. You got to check it out. Tickets at NowhereComedyClub.com, the 19th and 26th of this month, and then a very special event as well if you don't have New Year's plans. And let's be honest, none of you do. December 31st, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 Pacific. Greg Proops and I, we've been doing a monthly show together, all improv games and crowd work, whose line is anyway style, called It's a G Thing, are doing Greg and Glebe. It's it's an NYE thing, a New Year's Eve thing. And it is going to be insane. We're doing improv games. We have special surprises. We have drinking games where you can play along and drink with the show. Uh, Champagne toast at midnight for the East Coast. Come ring in the new year with us. And there's a VIP meet and greet after the show where Greg and I, it's a cocktail hour, and we're going to teach you how to make our favorite cocktails, and we're going to hang with you and answer questions. It's going to be a blast. Tickets for all of that, again, NowhereComedyClub.com. And if you want a little discount for any of these shows I just mentioned, use the code, use the promo code CODE, C-O-D-E, and you get a little discount for all of those for being my brain trust. And being here with me always. And so now it is time for our Twitter question of the week that you all provided your Twitter answers for. I asked since I've been gone, fill me in. What's been the most memorable part of the pandemic for you? Hashtag brain trust. And the chosen answers are sheeple on the TV at DJBTV said the most memorable part for me was April 3, weeks into lockdown. My friend posted pictures at night from a usually very heavy traffic intersection in North Beach in San Francisco, and coyotes were just taking over the road in a big group. So much howling, wandering down the middle of the now desolate street. That has got to have been intense. Do you have photos? Do you have video? Can you please tag me online and let me see that? DM me or something? I'll put them on my socials if you want me to post them. I one time was leaving a concert at the Greek Theater where I was seeing my friend who was the singer for Thievery Corporation, and... She and I and some friends were walking down from the Greek theater down towards where our cars were far away. And all of a sudden we hear on one side in this very brush area on both sides of the street, coyotes sounded like hundreds of them howling at what sounded like us. And then on the other side of the road from us, there were coyotes howling at us, at them. It seems like there was about to be like a war, like a West Side Story showdown, sharks and jets of coyotes all about to attack. We were in the middle have been eaten alive in moments luckily they waited for us to pass then they played through david way says the most memorable part of the pandemic for him is the free deep nasal probes i feel you dog kayla gibson he got me on my knees at k gibson 97315 most memorable for me is the creation of nowhere comedy club your shows as well as your ones with greg are the one thing i'll always look back on when i think of 2020 always a nice comedic relief Thank you so much, Kayla, for saying that. I'm sorry for coughing after that. It was not intentional. Um, we created this thing out of a need to work and to tour and to still be able to earn a living for ourselves and our friends, our comedian friends. And we wanted to bring entertainment to people around the world that didn't have it during this pandemic. Live entertainment shut down. We didn't realize what it would mean to people at all. 
We were just dealing with an immediate need. We didn't realize there were people around the world that needed it for reasons completely separate of the pandemic. People that never get to comedy clubs because they can't afford a full night out or babysitters or live in remote areas where they can't ever see their favorite acts because they aren't traveling to your boonie-ass town. Or I'll respect to boonie-ass towns. Or people who um, have social anxiety disorders or disabilities so they can't leave the house. And this club's enabled them to go to a comedy club from their living room. And so it's been the most rewarding thing in the world. And people asking me and pleading with me and Steve all the time, Hofstetter, who I created it with, to please keep it going after the pandemic is done. And I promise you we will. This thing's going nowhere. I plan to keep doing nowhere shows the rest of my life, along with touring whenever that returns. Rita Riri O'Donnell at Rita Odo, 308-39010. That is quite a – is that your social security number? That is a very long code in there. It says, I miss going to restaurants with my friends and family. But one positive thing is discovering nowhere comedy on Zoom. Watching SDSC and Glebe off the top, et cetera, has made quarantine bearable. Hashtag brain, brain trust. Thanks, Riri. At the other bill, Clada tweet answers, being at the supermarket early in the pandemic, mask before mandates, dodging and bobbing other shoppers and unexpectedly get blasted with huge wave of air from an old ass heating duct in the bakery department. I was like, now I'm going to die from Legionnaire's disease and COVID. I hear that. Why do markets always have this incredibly powerful air blower that just blasts your face as you enter and exit. They're overdoing it. They're trying to keep their air conditioning in. They're trying to lower their bills. Can I have my entire hairdo messed up when I'm going to rock and roll Ralph's trying to pick up on chicks when I'm single? And why am I saying chicks even now? What is this, the late 70s? Chris at UK Brain Trust, the British Bureau of our fine podcast, says to us, His job has gotten a lot harder. No going to soccer matches. Not seeing my friends and family. Family business has been hit. Hotel and hospitality. But despite all, we're still going. Still doing what we have to. Fingers crossed a sense of normality returns soon. So nothing really memorable. Man, it's a wild time. It is a very real, very wild time. Katie Kelly at Katie Cake says, When my dad freaked out because he couldn't. I love this one so much, by the way. My dad freaked out because he couldn't taste the cough drop in his mouth and thought he lost his sense of taste, but really just didn't take off the wrapper. I love it so much. What a relief that must have been for him, at least, to experience that he didn't have COVID. Music snacks at Eva, the great one, working from home and getting to spend more time with my daughter. That's sweet. That's one of the big benefits of this whole thing. If there's a silver lining we can find, you know, Carmel used to be sad, but I would go on the road all the time. And now I haven't left in almost 10 months. I haven't left. We spent every night together except one week during the middle part when it was not so bad. And she went on a family trip and I had the house to myself and it was a bachelor party with me by myself. But I was basically covered in dishes and eating incredibly unhealthy food every night. I can't survive without her. We all know that. I need a good woman in my life. I don't know if you do. If you're a woman, you might need a good man in your life. Either way, you need somebody. Even if you don't have somebody, you need yourself. But you're probably able to take care of yourself better than somebody who needs somebody. So either way, take care of yourself. And on that note, it's time to get weird and wild. And in this thing, on the note we always do, it's time for the Thunder Round. It's like thunder, it's like it's like 
Northern Irish woman who married a 300-year-old pirate ghost divorced the spirit because he was, quote, using her. The Irish Post posts Irishly. They first met in 2010 when Jack, quote, presented himself to her. One thing, of course, led to another. They did some ghost fucking, and soon they were wed. But it was not long before Amanda started to notice cracks in their relationship. Not just the fact that he was not physically there on account of being a fucking ghost, but apparently he was trying to kill her. Her health began quickly declining. She realized he was using her. Well, yeah, probably just to get a, a passport or a green card. It's very hard for a ghost to get through walls that are being built upon borders around the world. No, it's not. No, she realized Jack was using her as an energy source. My health just kept getting worse and worse and worse, she says, to the point where I ended up with sepsis last year. I don't know what that is. It means you fall into a septic tank. I'm not really positive. But she almost died. If you have emergency surgery, the 46-year-old insane person was soon forced to confront the truth that she was fucking nuts, married to a ghost, and now had to leave the ghost. She said, when we die, it's normal to stay in the earthbound realm for a period, but when spirits stay around too long, they need an energy source. Of course, she knows this because she's super psycho. Unfortunately, Jack was using me as that energy source. He never accepted his own death, so he wanted to continue living through my body. I hate to say I told you so, but everyone saw this coming. They all said, don't marry the ghost. This ghost is going to fuck you. Not in a good way. He's going to fuck you in a bad way. He's going to try to kill you. He's going to try to suck your energy out. You didn't listen, did you? Now you got septic tank. You know, she believed she was well versed in the realm of possession and spirit attachment. But Amanda sadly had to seek divorce by exorcism. She has no regrets. You married a fucking ghost that tried to kill you? Are you going to exorcism to end the thing? You still have no regrets? What would make you have regrets? A bad buffet decision? A wrong pair of shoes you wore one day to church on Sunday? What would give you regrets? Even she said, quote, I do believe everything happens to us for a reason. No, it doesn't. You married a fucking ghost. That didn't happen for any reason other than you're very stupid. She was just appointed the head of Trump's legal team. Woman sells husband's PlayStation 5 after she discovers it is not in your, an air purifier. Fox 32 Chicago reports. A Taiwanese man who attempted to convince his wife that his PlayStation 5 was an air purifier was reportedly forced to sell the device after she discovered his ruse. Jin Wu posted on Facebook he bought the gaming console secondhand because it had been so coveted since the release last month. When he went to pick it up, he met the woman's husband, who explained he was forced to sell it after his wife realized it was not an air purifier that he had lied to her and said that it was. He seemed bitter. Of course he did. He's not a man enough to explain to his wife, I'm going to play video games sometimes. Don't ever try to hide things from your spouses. Just own the things. Tell them, I'm a man who's sometimes going to play video games. You're going to deal with that. How are you going to hide even if she sees it and thinks it's an air purifier, and if you do try to pull that off, at least put a great scented candle next to it because she'll dig that and it'll also help create the masking. What are you going to think when you end up going to the basement for hours on end to hang out with the air purifier? 
Oh, I just really love the fresh air down there, babe, in the musty basement. How dumb do you think your wife is? How dumb is your wife? How dumb are you? Dumb people are a theme, both in this episode and this podcast and in life in general. We've got to float above it. Hope floats. So should intelligence, let's believe. I don't even know if hope floats, but Sandra Bullock told it to us in that great movie. Was she even in that? No one knows. No one remembers. Nobody cares. And our final story, Mississippi police looking for a man who pulled his mask down during a bank robbery, Fox 5 DC reports. The man fled with an undetermined amount of cash after he passed the threatening note to the bank teller. After pulling down his mask, this is the one time you can enter a bank wearing a mask, no questions asked. In fact, people are upset with you if you don't have a mask on when walking into the bank these days. And this Maroon 5 of a criminal thinks you're not going to infringe on my freedom by making me wear this mask. I'm going to pull it down under my face and then have my freedom taken away when I'm put in jail soon. I mean, the level. What did he even get? A small take with a note? If you don't have a gun, you're not getting a big take at a bank robbery. You're getting uh, a couple 20s. Maybe you're getting 10 20s. You're getting $200. You're now going to be in prison because you didn't want to wear a mask. So again, the order of morals here is don't rob a bank. And then if you do, wear a mask when doing it. And especially if it's during a pandemic when you're allowed to wear masks. Do I have to rob these banks for these motherfuckers? Don't tempt me. On that note, it's so nice to be with all of you again. We'll see you next week. Because until last week, next week, this has been Last Week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth.